One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. And we are going to be sharing an interview with an alumni of Mr. Beacon, as in someone that bought the Beacon Technologies Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beacon System book, which is really the reason I started doing this show. I uh, finished doing the research, uh, which consisted of um, dozens and dozens of interviews with uh, solution providers. And uh, I couldn't bear to stop that process. And so I continued. uh, And uh, uh, so uh, we have the CEO of Blyot, who's going to be joining us, Jerry Pollitt. Uh, and he is a seasoned entrepreneur. He's a great businessman. He's also a super nice guy. And um, we'll be talking about healthcare, which is the market that he's focused on. And we, I think, do a pretty thorough job of getting him to explain his business model. He even goes into the pricing, uh, the use cases that he's focused on, his uh, partnership approach. So we try and use this show as a way of sharing patterns that are helpful uh, to entrepreneurs and solution designers, whether you're a business person or a technical person. It's always good to understand uh, solutions and how solutions are designed. And from Jerry, you'll get a real masterclass in in his approach uh, to um, breaking into this market. So hope you enjoy it. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot, intelligence for everyday things, powered by IoT Pixels. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Steve. Happy to be here. Well, um, I am really looking forward to hearing a bit about uh, Blyot. So let's start off and just give us the elevator pitch of uh, of what your the the company that you founded that you lead does we really focus on asset tracking to put it very simple in uh, healthcare environments and when we talk about healthcare environments the focus has been so far uh, hospitals but we see now more and more traction coming from pharmaceutical companies medical device companies and also home and elderly care uh, companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, very important, what we always tell our clients is that asset tracking is only a first step. Uh, the, the, the main question and also the main value is what can you do with the data? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we see ourselves more as a, as a big data analytics company than as, a, as an RTLS or a asset tracking company. 
And I think that's very important to uh, to pitch. And that's the pitch we make to, to, to our clients. Asset tracking is the first step. The real value sits in the data analytics and yeah, how can we help you to optimize processes, uh, find bottlenecks in the organizations, uh, things like that. So uh, your typical customer, say a hospital, why why do they come to Blyot? What's the problem that they're trying to solve? There are, in fact, um, four main problems. Uh, so let's take a typical hospital of, say, let's say 500 beds. On average, they have 10 what we call moving or floating uh, assets per bed. Uh, this can be a pump, a bed, uh, an oxygen uh, cylinder, uh, name it. So typically 500 beds multiplied by 10, which means uh, 5,000 uh, floating assets. With an average value we have seen, of we have learned so far of about $4,000 per asset. So you have a pool of money floating around of around $20 million say, for a typical hospital of 500 beds. Uh, where are the challenges? First of all, nurses uh, losing a lot of time uh, by, by finding equipment. That's the first uh, problem they, they would like to address. The second uh, problem is a lot of equipment is either stolen or getting lost. I think more lost uh, than, than stolen and lost by accident. A patient is moved to another hospital. Eh? They take the pump with him and the pump never comes back. Uh, the third thing, and this is really something we, we, we try to differentiate, is, is helping hospitals to calculate the utilization ratio of, of their uh, assets. Because tomorrow, the head of nurses say, okay, we have 800 pumps, we need 200 extra because we have a shortage, but there is no way to, to show that. So that's what we're trying to, 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 to uh, help, to help with. And then the fourth one is really process optimization and then one of the things that's uh, currently, it's, it has a lot of attention, is what they call patient flows. Hey, how long has a patient been in the uh, surgery room, in the recovery room, uh, at a physician, uh, things like that. So these are really the challenges that uh, we are trying to fix uh, by using uh, Bluetooth technology. Um, this being said, uh, there is another very big challenge, and that's regarding uh, consignment of products in hospitals. A lot of pharmaceutical companies, a lot of medical device companies, they put uh, products in consignment in hospitals and they can only be invoiced uh, the moment uh, they have been used. And as you can imagine, many of these big, big companies, pharmaceutical companies, uh, they visit the hospital every few days or weeks just to, to see what's in stock and what they can invoice and uh, uh, how like, what they have to put new 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 items in the stock so and this is also something we, we try to help with that's uh that's an interesting one i, I think uh the the first set of use cases are, are, are real uh and uh very significant and i think global problems uh this um consignment one uh, you don't hear about so often uh, i've definitely heard about it and i really believe in it um um, so, who is the customer with the consignment use case? Um, that's something, it's a very good question, and it's still something we are trying to uh, in, in investigate. We think at the end it will be the medical device company or the uh, pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. um, and just to give you an example, I cannot mention names because with some of these big players we, we have NDA signed, but there is one very big player. Um, and they are selling, they are selling uh, yeah, devices which are being used during surgeries. 
and their global turnover is for a particular type of devices around 10 billion dollars uh, per mm. year uh, around 50 percent of that turnover is consignment turnover which means it can only be invoiced the moment it has been been used at the hospital uh, believe it or not uh, between 10 to 15 percent on a yearly basis is de depreciated so it's is considered as being lost because they don't know where it is uh, and they cannot simply not invoice it. So we are talking about huge, huge uh, losses, uh, both for, 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 for these companies, but also for the hospitals, because at the end, yeah, they are being charged more because eh, if somebody loses something, they are being charged more. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was wondering about that. So you have um, a storage cupboard that's got a, a bunch of these products in and the idea is that the nurse is supposed to sign it out and presumably sometimes he or she doesn't do that and so it's it's lost but the, the hospital ends up paying for it anyway is that right sometimes the hospital ends up for paying it so what we have seen so far is a lot of discussions between these big players and and, and small hospitals and because the hospital says okay we, we have never used it or we never received it. And then discussions, mm -hmm. yeah, but we received it, uh, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. when we came to, to, to do the stock counting, the inventory counting, it was not there. So discussions. And at the end, sometimes the hospital has to pay, other times medical device company in order to keep the relationship intact. Say, okay, you know what? We are going to pay. Um, but on top of that, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, wasted time, eh? I have another yeah. example of a company, a company renting uh, these special uh, mattresses uh, for hospitals. They, they put them in the storage rooms and only when they are taken out of the storage room and brought into a patient room, they can uh, invoice uh, the, rent, the rent of such a mattress. Mm -hmm. And every day this company goes to every storage room in every hospital just to do the stock counting to see what they can invoice. Um, so. This is, of course, far more than asset tracking for a hospital. It is, these are the other challenges I was, I was talking about. Yeah, so here's an opportunity to save money that makes the whole medical system more, more efficient. So where have you got to in your business? What, uh, how long has Blyot been um, in existence? So we started with a company, uh, really started uh, in April 2019. And we launched the first products uh, end of 2019. Yeah. Uh, so we are a little bit over uh, two years in existence. Uh, we are now going towards uh, 20 hospitals uh, using our services. Um, but we recently, Ale, the plan now is really to expand internationally via partnerships. Yeah, so we recently closed deals with, for instance, Aruba, who's now promoting uh, our services. We have an upcoming deal. I can already disclose the name, but with companies like uh, Ingram Micro and uh, Vodafone. Uh, so this year is really the year that we want to expand internationally. We have proven we have proven the business model and the technology in our home markets, which is uh, Belgium and the Netherlands. Uh, but now it's time to, to expand uh, wider. Oh, congratulations on, on, on reaching that. So what would a telco, what, what role would a telco have in your business? Uh, what you see right now is that uh, healthcare is for telecom operators also very important because they deliver connectivity to hospitals, for instance. But of course, they want to sell extra things on top of that. So for them, IoT is very important. 
So when you take, when you talk IoT, the first step is of course to know where something is. Um, but yeah, what you will see uh, coming the coming years uh, is is that it's like extra sensors. Eh? And you not only track a patient, but you can also uh, yeah, monitor his uh, blood pressure, whatever. And what mm -hmm. you see with these telcos is that they build their own IoT ecosystems where they gather all this data. It's being visualized, uh, taking care of you know, integration with patient uh, data uh, files, etc. So that's what they are trying to build added value on top of a very commodity product, namely uh, bandwidth. Yeah. And and what about on the Wi-Fi side with Aruba? I'm really interested in these companies. We featured them a lot on the show with a whole series of interviews, and they have their own offerings in this uh, space. I think they're trying to sort of climb up the stack, but they also want to be an ecosystem player. So what's the nature of your partnership with Aruba? Well, we have a partnership with Aruba, but we have also partnerships with, with other companies uh, in the make. Um, Aruba, I like to talk about Aruba because if you look at the healthcare market, and then again, I don't know the healthcare market worldwide, but uh, I'm talking for Belgium and the Netherlands. In, in healthcare, they are market leader. I think they have a, somewhere between 40 and 50% of market share. Mm -hmm. And what we discovered very, very early on is that in nine out of 10 cases, the hospitals that have Aruba have Bluetooth built in, uh, which means guys, the infrastructure is there to start asset tracking. And very often hospitals don't know that they have these Wi-Fi access points with, uh, with built-in Bluetooth. Um, what you see indeed is that these, uh, these uh, providers of technology like the Arubas, they, they try to sell their own uh, asset tracking solution. Mm -hmm. um, but there are two disadvantages with it. And this has nothing to do with the quality of the product they are trying to sell. Uh, the first disadvantage is that what you see happening is that hospitals, they form chains now, they form uh, groups together. And it can be that one hospital works with Aruba, another one works with Mist, another one works with Fortinet. Mm -hmm. And they want to keep track of assets throughout all these different uh, uh, yeah, uh, environments of different type of access points. So that's the first uh, challenge. And the second thing is these companies are really interested in, in selling their technology and they, are, they, they have a less focus on, on really solving, solving the, 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 the problems. And the problems, like I, I told you, location is the first step, but then what do you do with this data? And that's not their cup of tea. That's not their their business focus. So, but okay, that's fine because that's where we can make a difference. Very good. Um, and so uh, it's complementary. Uh, they have infrastructure which can be the gateway to the cloud for for your devices. Um, and then, uh, f from a go to market perspective, how do you work with them? Are they uh, helping you to sell, or how does that work? Um, actually, yes, Aruba, for instance, they just launched a campaign in, in Europe uh, this month where they invite in every country their top uh, yeah, uh, resellers or the, and, and distributors. And this, this year it's about uh, IoT and they are presenting us as the, the let's, let's say, inexpensive RTLS solution for healthcare. Um, so yes, uh, we see a lot of traction now coming uh, because of these companies. 
Excellent. Yeah, between Vodafone and Aruba, I think they could keep you pretty busy. Um, let's uh, talk a bit about the, the the technology, the hardware, the software, and so forth. Uh, um, can't avoid that. Uh, always interested. What's been your approach in terms of um, the tags and the and and the readers of those tags? What's what's in your portfolio? So when we started with the company in April 2019, I had in fact four uh, requests uh, towards the team. Uh, the first request was it has to be Bluetooth yeah, because battery lifetime, uh, the size, the cost of these things coming down all the time. The second thing is that I said everything has to be cloud-based. I don't want to install uh, specific software or hardware in the hospitals. So that was a, the, the second uh, challenge. The third challenge was, uh, let's try to use where possible uh, the existing infrastructure. So it should work with all players out there. We, we mentioned Aruba, but we are supporting yeah, over a, almost a dozen dozen different players right now. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the fourth challenge, the fourth demand was really, we should uh, make everything accessible via webhooks and REST APIs because I don't want that the nurse has to use to learn another application like ours. She has her application. We have just to make sure that the location of an assets can also be shown in, in the application she, she is using. <coughs> so these were the four uh, demands. Uh, coming back to, to your question, <coughs> our solution consists of uh, four components I always explain to my clients. Eh? You have the text. We have our own tax, but I will come back on, on the tax uh, in a moment because I think that's a very interesting story, Steve. Um, the second thing is what we call the locator. See, the, the, the Wi-Fi access points will build in Bluetooth. If that's not available, we also developed our own small uh, gateways with or without 4G. Mm -hmm. So the locators uh, sent all the information of the tax to the cloud platform. This is the fourth component and then uh, the third component. And then the fourth component is really the REST APIs and the webhooks to integrate with other applications. This being said, we also developed uh, our own uh, yeah, mobile and, and web applications. So four components, tags, locators, uh, cloud platform, the light cloud platform, and then uh, the REST APIs. Uh, coming back to the tags, um, we developed very soon on our own tag because we were looking for something very small for hospitals with a couple of features that they really uh, require, like uh, next to location, uh, the possibility to do uh, movement detection uh, to see if a bed starts moving, uh, temperature, very important in hospital environments, and also a push button, eh? that you can press a button, for instance, if a recycle bin in the surgery room is full, press a, a button and make sure somebody is notified to, to come and, 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 and pick up uh, the bin. And we also had to develop something that was uh, very easy to clean. Um, and uh, that's how we came up with a, with a Blyo pack, but you have mm -hmm. probably seen him. Well, um, let's see it, yeah. I always say it's around the size of a, a, two, a two euro coin eh? uh -huh. uh, with, a, with a guaranteed uh, battery lifetime of uh, yeah, five years. And probably we could bring it to, to 10 years if, if we would like to. Yeah. And so, so um, your, your business model, are you selling those or is it a SaaS uh, kind of structure or how do you uh, charge for it? It's a SaaS model. It's really a SaaS model where the customer pays us a one-time uh, setup fee or activation fee per asset they want to track. And this setup fee includes uh, the tech hardware. 
and then it's a monthly fee uh, per asset per yeah per month. Uh, that's how it works, the SaaS model. Uh, but it's a very uh, attractive business model. Just to give you some ballpark figures, when we talk small quantities, let's say hey, one, 100 tax, uh, the activation fee will be uh, $15 uh, approximately, multiplied mm -hmm. by 100. And then the, the, the monthly fee will be around $1.25 per asset, multiplied by 100. So for us, like one of the dollar things dollar twenty five an asset, just to... Per month, eh, and per then month. multiplied by 100, that's $125. Uh, and then, of course, based upon contract durations and volumes, these, these costs uh, come down. Mm -hmm. But it's a very attractive and simple model uh, to, to, to start with because one of the things we learned also uh, when I was doing this research uh, before we started the Blyot is that RTLS has been existing already for 10 years. Mm -hmm. But it was never widespread because of the, the very high cost of uh, the tax and, 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 and the software around it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, okay, we have to bring down the price because at the end, the hospital, they want to, to, tack, to tack and track uh, all the assets and not only mm -hmm. the pumps uh, because there is no budget left to do, to do the rest of the things. Mm -hmm. Very good. And you mentioned temperature tracking. Uh, what what are the temperature related use cases? It's mainly uh, refrigerators in the hospital uh, pharmacies. Yeah. Um, but what we now see uh, coming also is to track and trace uh, medicines. And an example is, for instance, blood bags. Um, the blood bag is normally the Red Cross is tracking everything to the hospital right temperature. What we discovered that happens very often is that the blood bag is taken out of, of a refrigerator in the hospital and going with the blood bag to, for instance, a patient room, but then the patient does not need it. Mm -hmm. The blood bag stays there for maybe 10, 15 minutes and then goes mm -hmm. back in the refrigerator. And this is something that's never supposed to happen. So there they want to start tracking and tracing also these uh, smaller assets. And then, of course, you cannot use these taxi because they are too big. Mm -hmm. which brings us then to exciting uh, new technology. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And really what, is that? what is that? Okay. So, uh, really shameless self promotion. But uh, so, how does that fit in? Uh, uh, pretend that I'm not the uh, head of marketing for Williot. Uh, what's, uh, what's, what's the strengths and limitations that you see of that technology? Yeah. So, um, as I said in the, in the beginning, if typically a hospital, 500 beds, 5,000 moving assets. What I say to my clients is put a tag on it with a battery because you want to be sure that for instance the pump can be found even if a nurse has hidden it in a cabinet 
because she was afraid that she would run out of, of, of pumps. So please don't use uh, uh, tags for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it becomes interesting. Uh, the moment you start to look at all the consumables, uh, the, 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 the medicines, uh, but also all these other products that these medical device companies bring in and these pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you no longer talk about uh, 10 assets per bed, but probably around 1,000 assets per bed per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, you need other technology. You need uh, technology that's uh, yeah, inexpensive, but that's also very small because you have to put it on a, a very small package or, of things like that. So the potential is enormous uh, in, in healthcare for these kind of technologies. And how does uh, this all get um, viewed by the staff. You you mentioned the RESTful APIs. Do you provide an app and a dashboard or do you integrate into the hospital's uh, systems? What's the arrangement there? Yeah, so we, we do provide a dashboard and an app, but if I'm very honest, honest, I think that 80% of our clients, they use the REST APIs to integrate directly within their applications. And then yeah, the most well-known, of course, is, uh, well-known name, of course, is uh, SAP. Uh, but if you look at the healthcare space uh, in Europe, so I don't know if these names make sense in the States, but the market leaders when it comes to asset management is, for instance, Ultimo, Topdesk, uh, Planon. These are tools that hospitals are using, logistics are using them, nurses are using them. and. Yeah, they want to know not only now the status of when does this equipment needs maintenance, but also where is this equipment right now? Interesting. Um, and this is uh, this is a market, you've chosen a market which seems like it's very uh, ripe for uh, growth, but it is, uh, it's competitive as well. I mean, you've got a good idea and lots of other people are having the, the good idea. You have the, you know, Stanley Healthcares. There's, there's a whole raft of, uh, companies. How do you compete in this, in this very competitive marketplace? Um, we have, what I tell to our investors, <laughs> Steve, is that we have four uh, competitive advantages. Uh, I think the first advantage, it's really coming back to uh, the easy integration if the existing infrastructure is already there. Yeah? We can typically bring a hospital live in a couple of days if they have the infrastructure in place. So that's, that's the first uh, big advantage. Uh, the second one is the openness of the platform. Uh, really, the, uh, the possibility to integrate with any other application the hospital is already using, uh, using very easy uh, REST APIs and, and webhooks. So that's the second advantage. The third one yeah, is the pricing. I think we have a very attractive, transparent pricing. If you mm-hmm. look at that, you mentioned Aeroscot. I think the pricing book is like 100 pages. Mm-hmm. Our pricing is one sheet. Yeah. And then uh, the, the, the fourth advantage, and this is really something that has to, that has to mature. It's in the early stages, but it's the, it's the big data analytics. And for this one, we closed the partnership uh, last year with uh, SAS, SAS.com, which is uh, a market leader when, when it comes to, to big data analytics. And with them, we are building fantastic dashboards to give organizations insights and, and yeah, bottlenecks, uh, how they can optimize uh, the distribution of assets throughout the hospital, all, all these kind of things. 
Are they well established so in the sector? Yeah. Uh, they are very well established, uh, but for other type of applications, eh? like uh, analyzing uh, medical patient uh, files, uh, things like that. Um, but of course, it's a very uh, it's a big company. People don't know that, but it's the largest private software company uh, on the planet. Uh, it's uh, amazing, amazingly knew... successful. We've had them on the show, yeah. and I've worked with them, and uh, uh, it's it's a great company. I think people love working there as well. It's uh, they've uh, done a great job. Yeah, I was once invited uh, to to visit their headquarters, and I don't remember where exactly where. And they have a fantastic uh, company restaurant, and uh, it was self service. And I was sitting next to the CEO. What was his name? Jim. Jim, whatever. Yeah. And he was just sitting there next to me and said, Hi, are you a visitor? And I say, Yes. And then people say, Hey, that's the CEO you're talking to and the founder of the company. So it was a funny story. Very cool. Very cool. So where are we in um, the kind of adoption cycle, do you think? Um, uh, we, we used to spend a lot of time talking to people about crossing the chasm. Uh, is this. Is this uh, solution area in the chasm? Have you crossed the chasm? Uh, is it mature? Where is it? It's the market is is ready. Okay? The market uh, is there. The demand is coming. Uh, so when my companies failed, it was because I was often too early. Because now we have really the the, the idea that the the timing is right. Uh, people are really demanding for these solutions. And like I explained, a lot of hospitals, without even knowing it, they have the right infrastructure in place. Uh, you, you're solving a real problem. Okay? You're solving a real problem. You can prove it. Uh, so I think this 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 market is is yeah, we'll see a tremendous growth uh, the coming years. Wonderful, and. Um... Uh, lastly, I think lastly, uh, COVID, how has that impacted your business? Um, if I look back at, at our figures, because at the end, as a company, that's that's what counts, of course. Uh, we made a forecast because, before COVID and we reached our goals at the end. We didn't overshoot, uh, but we also didn't uh, undershoot. Uh, the main advantage, I think, and yeah, sometimes people are angry when I say the main advantage of COVID because, of course, it's 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 something. It's not pleasant that this happened, but the main advantage is really that people are are now willing to do, uh, yeah, remote working. And before, when I had to visit the hospital, I could do maybe two on a day. Now we can easily do seven calls a day. Uh, so the, the 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 main advantage that COVID brought us is really an increase in efficiency. Uh, for these kind of, of, of meetings, so COVID, it's not all. It's not a completely bad story. It also changed some behavior, which in the end will make sure that organizations are more efficient. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing situation. It's a tragedy, terrible thing, but it's also accelerated so much. And I imagine your value proposition around efficiency, staff efficiency, that's got a really be heightened by uh, an environment where there's intense staff shortages. Exactly. So that's really playing in our advantages. And what we also will see the coming years is that there will be a lot more investments in healthcare. 
uh, because if you look at the Belgian market, we decreased over the last 10, 15 years from 100,000 hospital beds to, to 60,000 hospital beds. And then suddenly as something, yeah, a tragedy happens like COVID and then suddenly they start to realize, oh, we have not enough beds. Uh, so I don't say that you need more beds, but you have to, to make the whole healthcare ecosystem far more uh, efficient. And we are only a small part in that, eh? but uh, I see also that en enormous investments taking place in, in the healthcare industry in the coming years. And really, the last question uh, geographically, where, where are you at now in terms of the ge geographic markets that you're covering? So, um, another advice for startup companies eh? first prove it's in your own uh, home countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think uh, we are really, I, I think by the end of the year, I think we could say that in the home countries, we will be a market leader, which is good. Uh, but now we have projects uh, going on everywhere. We have projects going on in South America, Australia, um, Africa. Uh, so everybody is asking for our solution. We were last week at uh, one of the biggest uh, medical fairs in the world, which is called uh, Arab Health. And I think we probably signed up 10 new partners in the region, uh, well-established uh, players that wants to start market and sell our solution. Uh, so yeah, what, international uh, like, expansion. Via that's exciting for you. Um, uh, and there's a couple of follow-on questions I wanted to ask. So you said home markets. Uh, what, uh, what is home market? It's not just Belgium. You're, you seem to be pretty active in the Netherlands or is it, what is, how do you define home market? For me, the home market is really uh, Belgium and Netherlands because Belgium, we have mainly been focused on Flanders, which is Dutch speaking and Netherlands is also Dutch speaking. And like, for me, that's, that's one big country. Uh, people yeah. don't like that when I say that because hey, everybody is a bit uh, chauvinistic. Um, but our headquarters are based in Amsterdam okay? and uh, I am living in Belgium, in, in the beautiful city of uh, of Bruges. Um, so I always say Belgium, Netherlands, but uh, for me, it's 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 one Flanders and Netherlands. It's one big country. Oh, but I, again, I, not I, everybody I, likes me saying that. <laughs> I'd really love to go and visit Bruges after seeing that amazing movie uh, that's set in Bruges. Then I I want to go. Yeah. Um, and and then. Um, th these partners that you said that you were signing up at the, uh, the Arab Health uh, uh, Summit, um, what sort of companies are they? Who is it that's, we, we talked about the, the uh, connectivity companies, but who, who are you signing up to represent you in these other geographies? Yeah, one of the things we learned is that you need two types of partners. You need, uh, first of all, uh, yeah, infrastructure companies. The, the people uh, selling the Arubas uh, to the to the hospitals and doing the implementation. Yeah. So really the integrators. So that's that's important. But second parties are really the the, the companies that are selling the medical devices uh, to companies that are selling the pumps that are selling the beds. Um, so the distributors, for instance, of GE, uh, who know everybody at the hospital, they know the problem. So. These are the two types of partners uh, we are looking after. Okay? Integrators, capable of selling uh, wireless infrastructure, but also the people or the companies uh, selling the actual products that need a tech uh, on it at the end. Very good. 
Well, I think we've learned a lot from this conversation, Jerry. And one of the things we've learned is there's never a last question because actually this conversation is going to continue. And I get to talk to you a bit about uh, how you ended up founding this company and a bit about your background and, of course, the, the music questions. But uh, so, Jerry, how did you end up doing what you're doing? What's, what's your story? It seems like you are the founder and leader uh, of, you've been a founder and leader of a whole series of, of companies. And I was spying on you on LinkedIn and I couldn't see a time when you weren't your own boss, but presumably there was a time when you were your own boss. Actually, I was never, uh, I never worked for a boss. Um, oh, wow. When I was very young, um, I was studying, of course, uh, high school or university. And at a certain moment, I was invited to do a holiday job in, in California uh, at the down of uh, Silicon Valley. And when I was there, and I'm talking the early 90s, uh, I saw something what uh, we all know right now, which is the Internet. It was really the beginning of the Internet. So when I came back to, to Belgium, uh, I told my parents I'm quitting school. Uh, and I'm going to start an, an internet service provider. And everybody thought I was crazy. And mm. this happened to be then the first uh, ISP or internet service provider in Belgium at the time. We were talking about yeah, the early 90s, 1994, 1995. And that was my first company. Uh, Amazing. So what happened to that? Uh, this company at a certain moment uh, has been acquired by uh, a large uh, telecom company. It was uh, Cable and Wireless. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if they are still uh, in existence. Uh, after that, I joined a company specialized in, in speech technology. Fantastic story, but also a very sad story because the company at a certain moment was the second most valuable company in software company in Europe uh, after uh, SAP. Uh, the company went uh, bankrupt, unfortunately. But one of the things we developed at that time, uh, and I'm now talking 1996, was uh, the first internet telephony application. Oh. Uh, and, we, and we developed that uh, together with a, a company in California, who's also out of business now. The company was called uh, Quarterdeck. Uh, at a certain moment, it was acquired by uh, Symantec, who everybody knows because of the antiviruses. Mm -hmm. And we developed the first uh, internet telephony application called WebTalk. And uh, our competitor was an Israeli company called uh, Vocaltech, and, and we were competing against uh, each other. Hmm. And when we launched that product, it was really uh, revolutionary because yeah, we were doing speech over the internet uh, using dial-up modems of 14.4 uh, kilobits uh, per second. Oh my so I remember when yeah, I remember when we proposed that to telecom operators, they, they thought we were crazy. They, they couldn't believe it. And we are talking about a time when calling the U.S. Uh, costed us more than one dollar a minute. So suddenly, <laughs> their Very business disruptive. model, uh, yeah, was a bit uh, went broke. Interesting, interesting. And so, um, lessons learned, I'm assuming, from that. Are you uh, uh, painful but educational? Yeah, so I always have been in the internet and telecom business eh, for the last yeah, 25 years now. I'm, I'm beginning of uh, the 50s. 
Um, but always in the corner of, let's say, uh, startup and uh, combination startup and disruptive technologies. Eh? I started also at one time one of the first IP Centrex platforms to, to offer voice over IP set, uh, mm-hmm. telephony services to, to businesses. Uh, but not everything was successful, Steve. Uh, in, in total, I founded or co-founded because it was not, not always uh, Jerry himself that was doing it, but very often together with the team. I founded or co-founded over a dozen companies and, and some of them were very successful. We had an IPO with one of them, but other ones were, yeah, they, they went broke. Uh, and then, yeah, you lost money and you, 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 yeah. So if you were giving advice to other entrepreneurs, what are the three things, having been through all, you know, a dozen companies and seen one go public and uh, some not so successful, what what are the three things, what, what's your kind of uh, Bible in terms of looking for opportunities? I have a Bible which consists of seven uh, sentences, which I'm not going to explain now because this will, uh, I'm often asked to, to, to talk to entrepreneurs and then. I uh-huh. use uh, that one, but I think that the, the, the main lesson learned is, is uh, focus on your, 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 your market and try to get the first money, not from investors, but from, from your clients. And this is something that very often uh, startup companies, uh, they tend to forget. They focus too much on their product. They mm-hmm. try to make it better and better. In the meantime, they raise money from investors instead of talking to clients, trying to, to sell the product. Mm-hmm. So I think looking back, uh, when it failed, it was really because of that. Too much focused on the technology, uh, not enough on, on, on what the market wanted and not mm-hmm. enough in the uh, sales modus trying to sell the product. Very good. So how did Blyot happen? What's the founding story of, of, for Blyot? The, the founding story was actually a, a sad story because the previous company, uh, yeah, we had to liquidate it because it was not successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking backwards, we were just too early because the product now has been launched and it's, it's quite successful. Uh, but in a very difficult uh, period, I was asked by a, a, a local hospital to to come and talk about uh, IoT, Internet of Medical Things, uh, these kind of things. And at the end of the, the, the presentation, the CEO of the, of the hospital came to me and said, you know what, uh, we are looking for a solution for uh, tracking and tracing assets in the hospital. Can you help us finding the, the right solution? And I did that. So what I did at the time, I, I looked at several technologies going from stupid barcodes uh, over uh, RFID, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth to the mm-hmm. uh, more exotic stuff like ultra wideband and, and Li-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and we spoke in total, I think, to over a dozen potential uh, suppliers for the hospital. And at the end, uh, being a startup entrepreneur all my life, I went back to the hospital and I said, you know what? I think there is time here for a disruptive offering because everything we, we, we see here is well, very complex to set up. Um, mm-hmm. It's also very expensive. And I think uh, we could make something together here. So I'm willing to launch an, uh, a startup. If you tell me, if you would like to become our first client, please, please. And uh, secondly, if you tell us exactly what you want so that we don't start to develop things which we as technology freaks like, but at the end is never going to be used by, by the nurses. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the story of, of Bly. This is how we started. And, uh, 
And a nice anecdote, Steve, is at the time when I selected Bluetooth because I said, okay, that's the right uh, technology, at least for the coming years. I knew nothing about it, so I bought a little book on Amazon written by a guy called Steve Stadler. And then I remember that I bombarded you with probably very stupid questions because I absolutely knew nothing about Bluetooth. And that's how it started. That's amazing. I, I had completely forgotten about that. Um, but yeah. so I wasn't, it wasn't a self-serving question, uh, but I, I do, it's one of my favorite things when uh, we've I've had at least some influence on uh, 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 helping uh, along those lines. That's great. So um, music, do you listen, are you a music person or uh, did you, were you able to come up with three songs that are your, have some meaning for you? I'm a music person, like like uh, every like most people, I, I assume, because I'm raised, I born and raised in Belgium. Uh, I selected three songs. Uh, some of them were famous. So the first one is "Ne me quitte pas" by uh, Jacques Brel. This is French, and the other two songs are also uh, uh, French uh, because I like to listen to to French music. Yeah. Uh, the second song is uh, Alors on Danse, uh, which you probably know by another uh, Belgian talent called Stromae. Uh-huh. And then the last song is uh, a song by an upcoming talent called uh, Angèle, uh, Bruxelles Je T'aime. All right. Um, e- excellent. I have to, well, pl- I have yeah, to make promotion for my country a bit there, Steve. So. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, do send us the URLs. We'll, we'll include it in the, in, the, in the notes so that other people can uh, listen to those. Wonderful. Jerry, well, thanks, thanks very much for sharing a bit about your story and, uh, and, and, and the music. Very original. With pleasure, Steve. Thank you for being here. So that was Jerry Pollitt. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. Um, uh, and I recommend you look into what Jerry's been doing uh, marketing-wise. He's got a great website. He has produced some great use case videos um, and something to learn from there. If you have been, thanks for listening. Please tell your friends. Please uh, provide comments, uh, feedback. And uh, until we next meet, uh, be safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. 
To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.